Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 254 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, we're in the media pit. We're talking about the national championships that happened across the world last weekend. And then we're also going to spend a good amount of time talking about the selection process and the teams from the United States for the Cyclocross World Championships that's happening in a couple weeks in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Before we get to any of that, I want to quickly talk to you about our new sponsor, which is Endura. And uh, specifically about what they're doing over on Strava. You still have some time left. There's the Endura 99 in 9. Basically, it's a challenge that you can join on Strava. And then you can, if you ride 99 kilometers in 9 days, you win. That's it. It's pretty easy. You can get the uh, digital badge and also a chance to win an Endura Pro SL winner outfit, which even if you don't win that, it's something to look into to purchasing because, man, that is some comfy kit right there. So head over to Strava and uh, join the Endura 99 in 9. Go do that now. While you're doing things, head on over to Wide Angle Podium and sign up to become a member and support all of the shows on that network. Every day we see more consolidation in cycling media. It just is becoming this one big cycling media borg. Wide Angle Podium, we're, we're, still, we're still sort of swimming around those waters trying to stay independent. And, and we're doing a pretty good job so far. It's even easier to accomplish that goal of independence if we get your support. So head over to wideanglepodium.com, click on the uh, support or the member button or the donate button and uh, join on up. And you can, once you do that, you can click on which shows that you wish to support. All right. We're talking about national championships. We're talking about world selection. We got Michael and Zach in the pit. It's episode 254 of Cyclocross Radio, and we're doing all of that right now. Recording here now as well. Okay. And then I can say, we are back in the media pit. We got national championships it was national championship minus the u.s canada australia and other misfit toys every other country had their national so we'll talk a little bit about that plus plus we have the world's team selection for the united states that we can get into as well so chock full show but before we get to any of that michael How's it going? Bill, I'm down. Um, you know, I'm so sad, and it might drive me to drink, knowing that Wout won't be in Fayetteville for Wordles. Wordles. I like it. I like it. I like it. Zach? 
As for all the Wordle haters out there. <laughs> so here's, I, you know you. what? I, I'm glad you brought this up because I was discussing this with my coworkers who apparently not a single one of like five of them had heard of Wordle. Uh, what kind of like how long is this going to last? And like, like if you're listening to this podcast, like say next <laughs> next Monday, like are you too late? Will you will the Wordle craze have already passed? Like Michael, how long do you think the Wordle craze is going to keep going? I was wondering that same thing. Um, you know, Words with Friends is still kind of around, but I think like in two weeks it'll be gone, or people won't be posting on Twitter. So are you it. like okay. driving around town and jumping out of your car and like chasing down Wordles? Is that how this works? <laughs> Bill, that's the last. That's like three fads ago. Okay. <laughs> wow. I mean, you want to yeah, and getting fired from your job yeah. for uh, not doing your other yeah. job. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I just also want to note. Just please note. Uh, we record this episode on Tuesday, January eleventh. That just put it up. <laughs> so we can go back. We can we now have time stamp this. Well, well, I mean, today's word was drink, and uh, it was in my open. So, <laughs> okay. oh, oh, I see. So, like, wow. I've, I've just, yeah, I've refused to do. I, I've just, I've, I've put the line down. Uh, I, I'm not. Okay, you don't so. have to put the line down. It's a fun game. You don't have to share it on your social media. It's fine. It is fun though, Zach. I feel like you would like it, Bill. You're a verbose man. You will. You would enjoy it. I, I'm intrigued, and I also I was gonna. I I didn't want to get into it. I just didn't want to get into the conversation. <laughs> but I see everybody posting this on Twitter, and I'm like, good for you. Good for you that you're having fun doing something. And the people that just want to crap on people having fun doing something, I'm like, just just let it go. It'll it'll scroll by and you'll, you know, and CNN will pop up or whatever else you, you know, is the next tweet down the line. I was thinking the same thing. Like, you know, there's a lot of people who are pretty unhinged on Twitter and some squares in various colors is pretty innocuous. So, yeah, you go ahead and mute all of them if you want. Especially on a day like today when you have USA Cycling to get all angry at on Twitter. Oh like, why gosh, would you get yes. mad at Wordle? It just Talk about being driven to drink. Why didn't I go there? Oh, my God. That would have been so much better. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. I'm so sad. No, wait. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> So I thought we were, I, my understanding is we were going to do the, uh, we were going to do the world's rundown first, but like you pop, Bill, you opened the tab, you popped the, the tab <laughs> on that one. Uh, yeah. So should we, should we just go to the, to the world selection? Why not? Let's do it. It's if, I don't know, do people want to listen for this? If they were tuning in for this, probably, maybe. Of course they were. <laughs> this is, this is like a yearly thing, Bill. And you... You tweeted at you, you know, you tweeted out that you had you had let go of this topic. You had sort of made your peace with sort of the um, trying to understand the system of who gets selected. And then and then in the DMs, you hit Zach and I up with you dug up some more information. You may have a scoop. I don't know. I just you it's. It's it's your odyssey. Michael, I'm glad you brought this up because I was going to lead with this. So 9-11 a.m. Central Time, Bill tweets out. I've spent a lot of energy over the past decade trying to understand the Cyclocross World's team eligibility requirements and selection process. I think I'm done with the exercise. I will leave my rock and hill to the next fool. Now, I don't have my phone with me. It's in the other room. But I swear to God, by like 2.41 p.m. Central Time, Bill was like, folks, I am back in the game. Michael, do you have the official time? How long did Bill let this slide? <laughs> 
So 1.31 p.m. It's I love that also like it's a new text thread. He brought someone else in on it, like a, a different person who has more advice. You know, I love that I have like I have like 75 text threads <laughs> and all of them have in common you two and then one other person who gets brought in for various topics. I, I, and, and that other person, I was like, these they're just going to want to know who the phone number is. <laughs> So, so why did Chris Miriam come in on this one? Is he a is he is he the CX hairs besides you? Is he the resident kind of uh, arm barn uh, world selection criteria guy? No, he's just really good at at at, at reading rules and and sort of figuring out what's right and what's right. And he he actually so for this, I thought I was like this doesn't make any sense, and he he was the one that actually helped figure it out. And w- w- the problem that I was having was just looking at the number of picks for each each category and and the way that it's it's allotted is that if you are it's by nat- national national ranking nations ranking so if you are first second or third nation you get 7 roster spots and then fourth through like ninth or eighth or something is six and then everybody else gets five i think that to eighth yeah fourth through eighth and then eighth on is five for your team so for the the women's team specifically since you know we'll talk about it that's where everybody was focusing their ire uh there were seven spots and i I looked at the rules and i saw the breakdown of the nations and the roster positions. This was me being my own fool with my own rock, pushing it up the hill and letting it go. And then I, so I saw that rule and then I went to the UCI page and I looked at the nation's ranking and I'm like, and I see the U S is in second place. So I'm like, okay, so they get seven spots and there are seven people on the announced team but there's another rule that says that the current world champion and the continental champions also can be put on a roster and it does not take away from a roster spot. So in my head, I'm thinking, well, the two Pan-American champions are United States athletes. So there should be an extra spot. So it should be if truly the u.s women are second there should be eight and why was that one spot being left open well it turns out that even though that may have been the rule in the past which i really think it was much like a lot of the other point construction it is now world cup nations ranking what so when yes did, wait so when did this rule youth- change so but you you sent us the screenshot of the rule is this in the was this an addendum to the rule? Were you looking at an old rule? I, so I don't know. <laughs> okay. But here's the, the, the thing is that not only is it that the UCI now has decided that the world championship is based on their series. No surprise here. I mean, that's not too right? surprising. And not on every UCI race, not on the USCX Cup, not on anything that happens anywhere else in the world, only on UCI World 
Cup races. So the the fact that a lot of Americans did not participate in the World Cup for the early part of the season because they were racing domestically meant that they did not have the opportunity to bolster their points like they did in the overall UCI and therefore were much farther down. I believe that the U.S. was like sixth or seventh or something. So it turns out that the, the, the seven is correct because the U.S. on the men's and the women's side are not in the first three spots like they are in the overall, but they're farther down in the sixth spot allocation. So plus one with the Pan Am winners, that gives them seven. That's what we have. Uh, I Actually, you know, USA Cycling did call me back on this because I asked them the question specifically. And I even as they called, I was like, yeah, I already know the answer. I know I screwed this up. It's World Cup. And they were like, yes. But my follow-up was like, hey, if you can find it, I would like to see where that list exists. And on the phone, we couldn't figure it out. So they're going to get back to me. But that's a problem right there in that you can't find it on the internet. And maybe somebody out there, um, Jan, I'm, I'm looking at you through your ears. <laughs> Go find this for me because I, I want to see where the World Cup Nations rankings are because I can't find it. But yeah. Well, so to back up a step, I mean, I think part of the argument for doing Pan Ams back when we added it was that it's another spot for Worlds. I think that was one of the arguments right. for doing and that. We got although, it. yeah. Although now we've since tried to diminish its importance or whatever, it's still there and it still exists and we still get an extra extra spot for right. it. And it's another argument. You know, you were talking about one, it's worth just a, a crap ton of points for a race that not many people think is that important. If points are important for you, it's, it's a really easy place to go accumulate lots and lots of points. And it's the opportunity to beat out the other countries and gain that extra spot for worlds. So, so yeah, I don't know. Are there guys, are there any other sports in the world that change their rules for qualification? Like literally every year. Now I know like college football, as we're recording this, we just had the college football you know, <laughs> championship and that one, that has been an involving thing, right? You had the BCS and they were right. like, well, this sucks. Now we're going to do the playoff. That, that I think like that is the closest analogy to cycling where we change qualifying like we make stuff up we change the rules we don't tell anyone like we have this rule we have standings that matter that apparently you can't access it's like oh who's who's leading the BCS I, I don't know some guy has it on his computer in in uh in Indianapolis somewhere like uh, it's just it's wild to me that uh we just do this every year and we're gonna do it again next year I mean, heck, we'll get to it. Like, our qualifying criteria for the world's team changed again. Like, it's just... Well, th th that's what I was going to say, that it's it's levels on top of levels. You know, we're looking at the the actual qualification from the UCI, and then we're trying to bake into that our own qualifications that seem to change every year as well. So let's let's get I'm into just, that. I think this I think this list, though, is... Is sh it's it's going to be an NFT that you can buy. That's why that's why you can't find it. It's an <laughs> NFT. You, you'll get the access code to it. Um, but yeah, no one no one can find these World Cup Nation. What? That's I don't even understand that. That's terrible. Sorry, I just had to come in and say for the everyman like me who doesn't read the UCI rules. That sounds dumb. 
I don't Michael, like you're really ensuring that this this episode this will be like that song where like you know the songs from like where they name drop something that's going on like it, that's popular then you're like wow that was definitely a 2002 song <laughs> I feel like with these people like yeah that was an early 2022 episode for sure uh, so we had USA Cycling's rules and we you know we had last year's rules where it was very performance based you had to qualify you know it was like you had to achieve this level of achievement at this World Cup or you know this European race and we were only going to send quote unquote metal capable athletes when did the rule when did the so when have we seen the qualification criteria do we know when you know the athletes knew that it was going to be basically top seven based on points yeah there was a 2022 worlds document that came out i believe last year and i mean we're back to it it used to be there, there were all of these things before it would list like Top three in a Dave Ave series gets you like auto qualify. There are all these different auto qualifiers and this and that and the, and the rest. And, and you're right. Now it's just straight points based, which is really interesting because that's what everybody in the past would argue that the system should be. Just show your performance, go out there, chase points, do whatever you need to do, be it domestic races, be it European races. You know, your major tailors counts the exact same as Herentals, both C2s, you know, one one to one. Fine. Everybody goes that, see where they are in the UCI rankings, not the World Cup rankings, but the UCI rankings. And boom, 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 boom. And there's your team. And that's what happened. Yet now it seems that people want subjectivity in there. Yeah, I think like up through, I know like even like Bowensa, it was like if you're a woman in the top 50, you go and is like, you know, up to X number. And it turns out we had like, and it was like if you're a man in the top 75, this is when we still had, it was like, that's how you qualified. Um, and I know, Bill, you're, you came down on the kind of performance base, which we then went to. Um, but yeah, I was always kind of on the, uh, the side of, of, I thought it was neat to have like your Anthony Clarks go and, you know, your Sammy, Ron- I'm thinking of Bowen. So when I went, you know, your Sammy Rano's qualify, uh, Tristy, Tristan Cowie one year qualified. Uh, and I, you know, I guess, uh, Adam Meyerson, I think actually, uh, came in on Twitter, uh, today, there was this discussion going on and I think he made a very compelling argument he was just talking about, um, the the way that it becomes something to aspire to, right? Because basically, if we had the performance-based criteria, I think our world's team at the elite level would have been Clara, probably Raylan for winning Pan Ams, and Eric Brunner. I, I you know, I, I don't remember what the other criteria is, but I don't know that Curtis or Kerry um, or uh, Gage would have even qualified uh, for the men. And, you know, he's saying, like, that's not very aspirational. You're not going to be that good. But, you know, you're seeing that, like, you know, I think it's awesome that, like, Anna McGailey gets to go and, you know, Caleb Swartz gets to go, you know, uh, that that's aspirational. You're like, well, I can achieve that. And that that encourages people to, to do the sport. And obviously, it's a little bit different. But if you haven't checked it out, I thought Adam had a great thread on it. Um, and I thought he made some compelling points in terms of taking a bigger team, especially for, well, America's world championship. So that that actually led to the question that I asked Michael on Twitter this morning, and that was, is racing in the race actually that important, or is it just another race? Me And is what is really important is making the team. 
is is making the team is making almost that postseason awards first team all american whatever it may be is that what the goal is or is it to go and race and get your teeth kicked in I think I think it's I think it's both of those things, right? And I think that so for someone like Clara, making the team is sort of the step to podium, to winning, to winning worlds, you know, Magalie, big goals to win. I think for other riders, yeah, it's the goal to get selected because it is sort of a it is a recognition of the work you've done and it is to use your analogy, the Oscars, you know, a Grammys, yeah, being nominated for an award sort of like sets the bar, right? Or it's it, in those levels, it's it's a recognition for the work, maybe by your peers sometime um, for what you've done. So, and like, yeah, I fall on the side of like, let's send the most people we can. I know that it becomes hard with the resources and, and then like and when they're not in the United States, can you send all those riders? And then that's why they, you know, that was a joke, right? Like that the, the, the rule was going to change once the world came to the States because we would want to fill all our spots. Um but yeah, I think I think we sh- I think like if we're only sending metal capable to worlds, I feel like I said this last year, then I mean we're going to send, you know, a couple Belgians and some Dutch riders, you know, maybe throw in, you know, a Canadian here and there or whatever, you know, like it's you you fill out the field. It's like, you know, the Olympics. Like everybody should be a part of it. You should, you know, United States gets two racers in the road race on the men's field. Like, I, I don't think that's right, you know, and like some teams get nine. That's, yeah, I think we should fill it out. I think that's the whole point of these, these um, international competitions that want to be, you know, called the world championships well in the dutch federation they're sending a pretty bare bones team they were like we're just sending metal capable athletes actually and i think i mean how many men are they sending like, like two yeah two two yeah. elite men yeah yeah and i mean i don't i don't think corner van kessel is very metal capable but like top 10 uh uh for sure uh i mean i think that like i mean i think it's a getting chosen but it's also getting to do that trip i mean it's to get to be part of the world's experience it's to get to put on the usa kit i mean i think that's part of it i don't i don't know yeah like and i guess i've liked that i like that if you go all in you're we we're asking you to travel across the country to to spend money to sleep in host housing uh to go to these events fill out the field and make the racing good and it's like part of your reward is maybe you can make the world's team like that's an aspirational thing for you know your 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 midfield right that is an aspirational thing for your midfield to do and i don't know if we just replaced it with like the cyclocross all americans or you know like hey i got selected i think it's it's getting selected but also the reward of getting to do that trip and be kind of pro and get to experience worlds as a racer like that's a lifelong memory um and i i just don't and we've had this discussion i just don't know if we're still to the point where as a federation we're worthy of saying we're only going to send two people who are metal capable like we're just we're not that good yet. <laughs> but we do have, at least on the women's side, we do have an athlete who has an opportunity to be on the podium, if if not better. I, that's that's the she Clara Hansinger has proven that that she can she can win this race. It is not is not crazy to say that she can't win this race. I mean, this is a race with a huge climb in it. She's won the race in cyclocross with the biggest climb. Obviously, much different conditions in Fayetteville than in Copenburg cross, but it's not like it's not pie in the sky. It is it is in the realm of possibility that 
given a good day, she can win this. So the the question then is, okay, well, if you are serious, I, and this is devil's advocate here, but I think also worth exploring, if you are serious about this athlete having this opportunity to podium or even win this race, and you have seven people on this team, and you have four, five, six mechanics servicing seven people who are going to be scattered throughout the field, is that taking away or in some way jeopardizing the possibility for your top rider to have the best performance? Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess I haven't been in the pit. If it's Zach, uh, Clara gets her mechanic. Like she gets him. Like the the rest of you are. You're there. You're fighting for scraps. I mean, like there's priority, right? We give funding to athletes who qualify. We've created a, a system to to qualify. These other athletes still have to do the GoFundMe's or find a way to to pay their way. But I mean, it seems like you could create a tiered system. I'm totally okay with that. And I'm pretty sure that they'd be totally okay with that. It's like. Like, hey, there's all of us are sharing two mechanics. We get that. Also, we're racing for 50th place. We don't really, we don't really care, you know. Um, I guess I've just kind of wondered, you know, and and I, I'm not there. I haven't seen, you know, been dive, dove, div, dived. I haven't gone into the operation to see how, say, bringing a full team, you know, would affect the ability to to take care of our. And there's other ones too, right? Like, I mean, we have Catherine Sarkasov you know, uh, metal capable. We've got, uh, Jack Springer and, uh, Frank O'Reilly Jr. Like these kids, AJ August, those kids can all definitely metal too. So we definitely, we have some at, at different levels, but I guess I can see where you have, you know, you're bringing this full team, like it's a lot of mechanics that you're going to have to have. And you're right. There could be some loss. And so I guess it's a question of, to me, can you find a way to, to, to tear them? Like, I think everyone knows who's metal capable and who's not. And, maybe do both right like which we try to do we try to foster elite racing but we also have amateur racing we try to foster participation i don't know my attitude toward toward this has changed a, a bit over the the or evolved over the past couple seasons where I, I i i was one of these people that i was like i don't know if usa cycling resources and i i still don't know i mean i still think there's an argument to be made is should be going towards riders who are just going there without any possibility of doing anything in this race. And, and as me, as somebody who's buying, buying a membership to USA cycling, me, who is somebody who is, uh, donating to the, to the mud fund, is this the best use of those resources? I, I don't know, but I, I think that at this point I don't care either. And it's like, great, let's support the sport. Let's have people who want to do this. And I think part of it is that the diminishing resources in the sport overall, the fact that there are real no big sponsors left anymore. There are real no big teams left on the elite level. You know, there, there are these great Devo programs that funnel these, these, these athletes out into just the ether that then have to try to figure out what to do on their own, and there's not much to do. So, yeah, I, I agree with your point that if you are going to spend your own money to go out there and chase this dream and race this cyclocross for the love of the sport, heck yeah. You know, let's, let's, let's congratulate all of those people who made the team. Let's have that as something they can always say that they made a world's team and they were able to go to someplace and race. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that because I, I think at this point it's really going to take somebody like 
a Clara or somebody who wants to really dedicate their life to integrating themselves into the European system to actually succeed at that top level. And we've tried for many years to do it through development and that's only going to get you so far. It's really going to be the, the personal level who wants to take it that much farther who's going to succeed. So do we have to talk about the selections that were made? Uh, a shout out to super fan Josh McKinney. I, he's got like, Josh has a new gimmick that I like. Uh, every time Bill posts a piece of news, Josh just casually tweets, Bill, what should I be mad about? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I think Josh has find something to be mad the vibe about. of every announcement related to USAC. He, he's nailed do you, it. Do you have the Do you have the rosters pulled up? Should Should we talk about what we don't have to be mad at? Can we just like I do the rosters pulled up? Yeah, I've got yeah. this great email from the CX Hairs Bulletin. Yeah, let's uh, let's just go through and you know, do we want to go through each one? I mean, I I, I don't know. It, it's yeah, let's give uh, let's give people their shout outs. I mean, I think that yeah. all of these riders definitely okay. earn their who, spots. Who, Michael, who are our junior racers? So junior women, we have Mia Azeltine, Kira Bond, Chloe Fraser, Catherine Sarkisov, and Esla Elsa Westenfelder. And in the men, we've got Andrew August, Daniel English, Frank O'Reilly. I don't know. Mark Marcus, Mark Marcus Marcus Shelton, Jack Springer, and Magnus White, and the U twenty threes. Well, leading off by our national champion uh, Katie Klaus, Lizzie Gonzalez, Cassie Hickey, Ellie Mitchell, Madigan Monroe, Bridget Tooley, and Lauren Zorner. In the men, Scott Funston, Daxton Mock, Sam Knoll, Tommy. Cervetas, Andrew Strohmeyer, Jules Van Kempen. I think that in those four categories, we we have some people that could that could make a name for themselves. I think that there are. I mean, you already named some of them, but I think you know Katie Klaus always is going to be up there. Maddie Monroe's had some some good good results. Uh, who else did you? I don't have the list. Who else did you mention, Zach? I think that. Uh, Sarkisov in the in the juniors, you know, our national champ. Jack Springer. Jack Springer. Had, had, had a pretty good curse period. Yeah, yeah. I've been wanting to do a, a rundown of results. I haven't done it for the bulletin yet, but I'm pretty sure we had a couple second places from some of our junior men and Catherine, I believe yep. as well. Uh, and our Canadian friends, the Holmgren twins, they both raced really, really, really well and turned in some some great results. Even got a win at the race you were at, at Hulaham. Uh, so really cool to see our young friends from from Canada, uh, their development or the the Holmgren nexus of development <laughs> do really well. I do want to like if you're talking about why you do development and why you do camps like um, like Montana Cross Camp and why you do development and stuff, you know, uh, Montana, not exactly a hotbed of, of cyclocross, but I went to the junior women's Montana Cross Camp. 2019, I think, uh, and there were two like there were two riders from from Montana that really like stood out. You're like, wow, like these young women are good. Uh, and one of them is uh, Elsa Westenfelder. It was just like she stood out, like she was like the youngest rider there, and she could ride. You know, it was just like to see them and be like, holy shit, like this might be a rider instead of talking about you know where they live or what their FTP is. You just watched her. I was like, damn, like 
she's good. So for me, it's really neat to see that development of a rider that you never would have focused on, right? She's not from New England. She's not from Boulder. Uh, you know, Bill, you've built a great program, not from the CX Harris Depot, Mabra Nexus. So just really neat to see for me, like that development can work and, you know, that you can spot an athlete and maybe invest in them through opportunities like that. But doesn't that raise a, a bigger question just in that, or, or maybe philosophy towards how development should work? I, I think that's awesome that, that somebody in Montana was discovered. Somebody in Montana was discovered. There could be somebody in Cleveland, Ohio, who could be discovered. There, there could be somebody in Wyoming who could be discovered. So I, I, I feel like it's, it's this accessibility issue that we are still grappling with that is more the way to to find this talent that may be out there instead of asking already known entities to apply to something that costs a lot of money and you may get great athletes, but you may not. And I think it's more of a talent search approach that would yield these these untapped resources and untapped riders that we could find and all of a sudden be like, holy cow, look at them, that this is, this is somebody that we can develop. I mean, and that's a, that's a completely different philosophy to completely different thing. I just, I just, I just wonder about development and bikes and everything. And that's something that people have been wondering about for, for 40 years and I'm for 50 years or a hundred years. And I'm sure there are many people out there that say we've tried everything before, but yeah, I, I don't know. It seems like there are, there are other systems that we could be that maybe then we could find those athletes that are like, just like the Dutch. <laughs> no, for sure. And I, I guess, you know, and I don't know, you know, what development, I guess it was just like, I was at this camp and she stood out and like, that's the kind of opportunity yeah. that, you know, you'd like to be able to just have camps and have, you know, that's how Stu discovered Katie Keogh is he saw he, her race and he was like, you know, she was 18 and he's like, I need to sign this woman, obviously we don't have those opportunities, but it's just being able to like, I think you can tell you watch someone, how they ride their bike, how they're doing, how young they are. And you're just like, this is a person I should invest in instead of like, Hey, are you lucky enough to live in Boulder and, you know, or be, have access to a good Devo program that you can be a part of. Um, and some other kids might not get those, those, those opportunities. Right. It's, it's always, it's the same. I know I've, I've probably made the analogy on, on the, the media pit in the past, but it's just, it's it's why, despite the rise in European basketball players, the best players still come from the U.S. because it's like the national sport and every kid is out there playing. So there's a much better opportunity for those. You have a million kids playing. The ones that stand out, you know, the John Morant's out there are going to be like, oh, that guy's actually jumping over the rim. Maybe Maybe we should put him on the AAU team. And you don't have to like, it's not hard. Right. And yeah. I think that's what, I think that's what Belgium does for the, you know, and that's what the Dutch, they're just like racing their bikes from such a young age that it's, it's not as hard to find these riders because they, they just rise to the top where we're like trying to get people to, to race bikes, to, to be seen. And that's a, that's a tougher, a tougher, tougher hurdle. It's like trying to find the needle in the haystack as opposed to just trying to find the hay in the stack <laughs> exactly yeah totally yeah and jen and michael talked about this in a recent episode of the uh the canuck crosscast which bill you were i think the one before you they were just talking about like why are dutch and belgian so good and they're like 
There's a million of them. Everyone's on bikes. They're all riding together. They're practicing together. Like <laughs> they have the infrastructure. And I think, Bill, your analogy is is perfect. It's, you know, why we aren't super great at soccer and everyone else is. Because literally everyone in the world plays soccer and we're it's like this niche thing that suburbanites play or whatever. And they just it's a numbers game. It really is a numbers game. And, you know, I guess to me, I'm I'm almost more impressed by the Magli Rochettes and the Claire Hansigers in terms of what they've accomplished than some of like, say, a top Dutch writer. It's like you have the infrastructure. Like, and obviously, like Celine Alvarado, her story is amazing. Like, you know, she's probably the most amazing of all of them, but like it's it was kind of built. It was built for you to succeed. Whereas, you know, we have these riders who are out there doing their own thing when everything is stacked against them. I I'm more impressed by perhaps. Shall we continue on with the rosters? Let's do it. Let's talk about those men. <laughs> you want to talk about man, the easy one? Uh-huh. <laughs> so Eric Brunner, national champion. Gage Hecht, Lance Haydet, Scott McGill. That's the uh, Avolo yeah. line right there. Which is worth All... mentioning. I mean, it's totally. worth mentioning that, that this talk is. Talk about development. Yeah. You talk about development, you know, even though it, it comes from the road. And I think I've I mentioned it in the past just because I think that what, Michael Creed put together and the type of racing that he likes to see, you know, unfortunately, I think that, that, that team's now done, right? That's it's, it's over, I believe, or no, Michael, is it? I think it's, I, are they going to continue? Thought, yes. I thought it's continuing. And cause they were, I saw them posting about new riders. Awesome. They were taking Good. On, now, I, I think I'm glad to be wrong there because, cause I like it because they are just this, fun to watch attacking team and you get these those team members that then go to cyclocross and kind of adopt that same same sort of the hell with it i'm going off the front i'm attacking see if you can stay with me philosophy that we saw from mcgill and you know was it was uh brunner was he he on there oh yeah brunner's a novella yeah 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 and gage of course lancey pants and lance yeah so it's kind of neat and i i think that's that's a very interesting uh just crossover from from road to cyclocross that's that that was cool to see but it's also to the previous discussion we just had it's a development program and oh my god like it's developed pretty good riders like it's given opportunity it's given opportunities to riders to show their stuff and you know brunners turned it into a cyclocross thing gage turned it into a rally contract land you know like these guys have all turned it into something like they've made the most of it was funston is he part of that too or no not that I know. I don't of. think so. But but at least between those three, and all three have won national championships in cyclocross. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. I want to just I don't want to forget. There's three more guys in oh, the yeah. team. Yep. <laughs> Caleb Schwartz, Kerry Warner, and Curtis White. You, I mean, essentially, you know, Curtis White and Kerry Warner are the uh, the old guys on this squad. I mean, I'm sure you know Gage has been to a lot of uh, nationals himself, but. Um, Zach, I mean, I think you know you're the, you're the Madison contact, pretty big, pretty big one for. I'm Caleb glad here. you brought this up. So I was just I was hanging out over the weekend, and I got a text from Caleb, and he was like, "Hey, can't tell anyone, but I made the world's team." And I was like, "Holy shit! Like that's really cool." But <laughs> he was asking, like, "Am I the youngest American elite rider ever?" And I was like, "Well, there has to be, has to be a, a woman before." the creation of the U23. And so I kind of had to bring the bad news that Katie Keogh's first worlds was at age 19. Um, you know, so that was a little bit, but he was okay. Cause 
fellow Badger. So he was like, I'm okay with that. I was going to say, beaten by a fellow Wisconsinite. <laughs> but crazy. Caleb was, uh, he's 22. So he's going to be 22 at the time of Worlds. And I think he will be the youngest elite male ever. There were three others that raced at 23. Uh, Yannick Ekman was one of them. Man, might have been. Oh, hold on. I have them written down. Let me just pull up this piece of paper. Good. <laughs> He's going to analog. Seed tone. He's going analog. So Yannick Ekman in 2016. Uh, Good old Z-Mac. Zach McDonald. I thought for sure that Z-Mac would have been a 22-year-old, but he was 23 in 2014. And J-Pows, the uh, ripe old age of 2023 in 2006. Uh, So, yeah, pretty pretty cool to see. Uh, Thanks to Cyclocross24, they actually have every single world's result for like forever on their website now. So it actually made doing my research really easy, (laughs) which I definitely appreciate. But like, man, we didn't, we wouldn't even send riders to elite worlds, like even as late as the nineties, like just wouldn't go. I mean, sending squads to worlds is, uh, you know, the elite level sending full squads is pretty, pretty new. It seems like it really kind of started with that page Johnson Trebone kind of era. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's part of what Myerson was talking about that, you know, he didn't get selected in years that they didn't, you know, they didn't, they didn't send a full squad or even close to a full squad. And there was no Twitter to, to, to yell about it. <laughs> All right. All right. Michael. Oh, yeah. One more squad. And uh looks like the bulletin did this alphabetically for us. So Hannah Aaronsman, Caitlin Bernstein, Rebecca Farringer, Clara Hansinger, Anna McGailey, Raylan Nuss, and Erica Zaveda. So I just want to say the big news that kind of shocked everybody was seeing Rebecca T-Bex Farringer on the list. We had all seen her Twitter saying, like, wow, she was not going. Um, and I think a lot of folks initially were like, wait, does, you know, USAC doesn't know, like, how did USAC pick Rebecca? You know, don't they know she had an injury and obviously, you know, learning, I listened to your podcast with her today, Bill, it sounds like obviously they reached out to the athletes beforehand, but do you want to clue in, clue us in a little bit of kind of like what, how that all worked out for her? Yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's okay to promote our own show on our own show. Uh, yeah. But if you look at the episode right before this one, uh, I, I did. I, I since this was all coming up on on Twitter and everybody was confused about it, I I was like, well, why don't we actually just talk to Rebecca and see what she has to say about this? And yeah, it was it was actually a really good conversation because I learned a couple things. One that the Mud Fund had been helping her with therapy costs with, you know, just a, a good network and resources to help her get through the time from her concussion and everything else she was going through and and get her healthy again. And I, I thought that was really cool that this this system that we are helping fund and promote isn't just on making sure we're, you know, buying enough beds for people to sleep in at Worlds or World Cups or wherever else and travel and all that kind of stuff. But, hey, an athlete that is on your team who was injured, making sure that they're okay. And 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 I think that's pretty cool. And and here's uh, – Zach, we rely on our, our, our basketball and team sport analogies a lot. I'm, I'm going to give you another one here. Usually – in team sports, 
if you are a starter and you get hurt and then you get better again, you don't lose your spot because you were hurt. You you get the opportunity to to sort of win back your spot without, you know, having to sit on the bench. And and I think that's what's happening here. Uh, uh, Becca deserved to be on that world's team. She, if you look at the other competition out there, especially those who were not made it, you know, like Sonny Gilbert, for the races that they went head to head, she was better. I mean, she was just above. I think Sonny is deserves to go to world. She had a great run at the end of the season. She, you know, won major Taylor. She came into to nationals, won the single speed and then podiumed uh, in the elite race that, that she has the resume to make the world's team. But you can't look at Becca and say that she doesn't. And that's, and I think that she wants to be on that team and she earned the spot under these rules and, and, and procedures that we have set out that we've decided that we want something objective. She met the objective standard. She wants to go. She feels like that if she can't win. And again, we're looking at a team that on the women's side has a metal, metal capable athlete in Clara, but she feels like she is somebody who can help people not only on that women's squad, but on other teams who haven't been there to sort of figure out how to be at Worlds and have a successful outcome from that. And and I think that's that's important as well. So more in a mentor position who is also willing to give whatever she needs to give to her teammates to help them have a better race. Like if, if for instance, she was the one that said, if, she was like, if Clara has a bad start, for instance... You know, just everybody just think about that scenario possibly happening. So Becca's like, I will go to the front. I will get in front of her and I will like go a thousand watts for as long as it takes to help her move up as far as she needs to help. And if that just blows the rest of my race, that's fine if I can help her do that. And and for somebody that's willing to do that, I think that's that's worthy of a world spot. And I don't I don't I don't know how you argue against that, especially since she met this objective criteria that that was set out. Yeah, that's that's well put. I mean, it seemed like I, I think I guess people were more surprised, uh, perhaps. And I, you know, I think part of it too. Obviously, Sunny has built a large following. At the same time, like she came up, it was objective. They knew what the standards were, and she came up seven points short of Hannah Aaronsman. I mean, she could have done another race weekend. She could have gotten slightly better results. Like, you know, her results weren't super great at the beginning of the year. And I, I don't even think if you talked to her, I don't know that qualifying for the world's team was even really on her radar i mean i think things came together where she just started you know to came together mid-season but maybe that's a situation where you th- unfortunately throw in a trip to to really rad or uh to one of these other events you go to noho because you're like oh man i'm going places like i need those points you know uh so yeah you can't argue with it it's objective like becca had good results i mean she was clearly maybe the second, you know, probably the second strongest American even racing with a concussion. <laughs> like, you know, like she had the the points from Worlds. Like she started off the season strong. And I, I like your analogy, Bill, that, you know, you come back from injury, you know, like Clay Thompson just came back. I'm He's going to, they're not going to be like, nope, sorry, Clay, you're, you're at the bottom of the bench. Like you haven't earned it. You know, this, this schmuck over here has been out here, you know, scoring eight points a game. Like we just, 
sorry, you, you don't get your spot back. Like I'm pretty sure Clay Thompson will get the chance to, to be back in the starting lineup uh, pretty soon. Michael, any, any insight on this or. No, I mean, I think that like, like a lot of people didn't realize the rules had changed. Um, I guess it makes it easy. Top seven. There you go. I mean, I was looking at the rankings. I realized you also have to, because of the rankings, the way they're set up, you do have to separate out all the U23s and the juniors, which sort of mix things up. But uh, I just was was good to listen to Rebecca on the podcast. Uh, look, sounds like sounded like she's doing a lot better, and that's what you want to see. Also, a little bit of a um, sad note, soft Soft retirement announcement in there talking about, you know, she's going to do the gravel next season and that, you know, she, you asked her if she's going to race cross, she said she's going to, you know, maybe do some and that, but she's going to, it's going to be a long season doing gravel and that she might not be hitting a full cyclocross season. So I guess maybe not retirement is the wrong word. The, as she said, more on the Katarina Nash model. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that not, she's not. I don't think I would couch it as as retirement. It's just that her focus has changed, mainly based on what her sponsors expect from her, and that's more on the gravel side. And she was accepted into the Lifetime Grand Prix, so she has a full schedule of gravel and mountain bike races that she will uh, be competing in. And after that, she was like, I, I don't think I can just jump right into a cross season and, and be good or be in shape or be able to to do it. So it may, we, we <laughs> consistently in cyclocross races, we may, we may have seen the last of, uh, Becca Farringer in there, which is, uh, kind of sad because she was definitely one of our, uh, riders that we, we love to follow. And then, and, and a, a personality, you know, a real character in the sport that was really fun. And I think good for promotion of the sport and bringing new people into it. So sort of very similar path to Wout there. She is the Wout Van Art of of U.S. cyclocross. <laughs> that is a great segue. I let. Should we go to uh, to go to nationals review? Lightning, lightning round? round. Do we need to do a lightning round? Uh, so we had like the the Belgium. Let's start with Belgium. I mean, they showed up. We didn't know how we were going to be able to watch it. Showed up on GCN, kind of out of nowhere, <laughs> right? Like I feel like Friday or something. Someone's like, hey. You can you can watch this race if you have a a, a GCN subscription. Uh, let's start with the women. Our girl, Sonicant. Uh, Michael, how do you like? How do you feel like Sonicant was feeling going into this race? I mean, she's getting to the point where you know, get, like it's like similar to Compton, right? Like the streak is the streak. Like you're Sonicant. She had twelve. She was going for thirteen. It's unlucky thirteen. You know, to what extent? How do you think Sona's feeling uh, at this point with that? that streak of, of nationals wins. Well, I mean, she's feeling, you know, I don't know what it is in Belgium in, 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 in America, 13 is unlucky and in, in Brazil, 13 is lucky. So who knows what it's like there? I mean, really though? Like I think Sonic was feeling fine. There's not a lot of competition from the other Belgian women. I mean, I feel like she's always kind of the best Belgian woman that usually finishes. So, you know, she started off a little slow, actually, and, and uh, Lada Capecchi had a pretty good start, and then um, Riberol was right there, and for a moment, I thought, ooh, maybe Sana was not doing so well, but, I mean, that course, 
is like a sauna course. Like I, I love that course so much. And it was kind of interesting to watch the beginning of the women's race because it was completely different than the men's race in terms of conditions. It was like rainy and miserable. And then, then when Wout graced us with his appearance, his last farewell appearance, it was like a sunsetty, you know, breezy, you know, golden hour stroll on the beach. Um, but yeah, Sana, she's the champ. And you know what? Like, I don't know. I can't. I heard someone talk about a podium at Worlds. I'm feeling a strong sixth place finish from Sana and Fayetteville. That's what I could see. I like that. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like, I enjoyed watching her. I watching her race. I felt like we've been. It's a bummer that we haven't seen Sana Kant be able, it, you know, she always seems like she's on the back foot. You look at her, she always looks like she's struggling, but like, I mean that rut, like in that section going into the sand where she, like everyone else is just bobbling and she's like, I'm going to nail the rut, <laughs> you know, and even ride through, I think in the third lap, she rode through the section without dismounting. Like she was just super aggressive. And I think to the comparison to Lada Kapeki, you talk about, you know, are there skills in cyclocross? I mean, you know, Lada Kapeki's strong. My God, like Sonicot just like schooled her. Like it was unreal. Like the skill, like just going up hills, going in the sand, like getting off the bike. It was just like, yeah, you're 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 a tourist, which she admitted. I mean, Lada Kapeki was like, Yeah, this is my hobby. But you saw to me, I saw what cyclocross skill is. And I, I just miss I miss Sana like being there to mix it up because she's a phenomenal cyclocross like craftswoman yeah and that's a great way to put it and i think that's that's exactly what we saw it's 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 the people who have this skill especially a sand riding skill it's something that never seems to go away and when you get a course like that you can just see it shine it it really it reminds me i was uh one of the years i went to tokyo for the tokyo cross and ben Burden was there and this was Pretty much post-career Ben Barden before he got into his weightlifting career. But definitely not really keeping up on training or anything else. And uh, I think Powers was there. I think Zach McDonald was there. And then, like, Burden and a couple others. And he, he just was schooling everybody. He got to the sand, and it was just this... This ballet, I mean, just this riding style where he was able to just flow through it ahead of everyone else as they just struggled behind. Like, it was, you know, the first time they had ever ridden in sand. And it was just a, a great thing to see. It was like this specialist. And that's, I, I just feel like that that never goes away. I mean, he didn't win that race, but any other any other terrain, and he probably would have been 20th, and I think he was on the podium for it, just because that was that skill that he has. And that's such a such a Belgian thing. And I, I, it's really cool to watch. And it's really cool that that's where Sané excels. Yeah. I remember when, you know, I mean, she had the reputation as kind of the queen of the sand. And I, when the, I think the first time I interviewed her with Jingle Cross, she was like, how are you so good in the sand? And she was just like, you got to feel it, man. It's a feeling. I think that's like, she's like, it's a feeling. Um, and, and speaking of that, like, wow, was amazing in the sand too. Like he was just like, uh, that that rut the way that like Wout and Sana hit that rut and they were just like whatever I got this and like you know going faster out of the rut than they were going into it was just so good so good yeah I mean moving over to Wout the other the other thing about him and I think we mentioned it last week as well is that well Wout off the bike now is just 
insane. I mean, Ian Field was making the point, and and rightfully so. He's like, you don't really ever train running downhill in the sand, and it's just not easy, and it looks awkward, and everybody looks horrible doing it. And then you see Wout, and he's just like, it's like he's not even touching the sand. He's just like floating on top of it with these, you know, the other thing is like, oh, cyclocross, you take, you know, you, you little baby steps, baby steps, baby steps, quick feet, quick feet, quick feet. He's like long strides, just like, just, honestly, just like flying over the sand. It was just, it was, it was insane. That, that, <laughs> that we don't get to see him anymore this season is is uh is is really sad. I'm looking forward to seeing him on the road. I hope he just, you know, cleans up everything, but at the same time, man, he was I wish it was more competitive, but damn, it was fun to watch him race crosses. He's year. so good. I mean, he's just yeah. I mean, he's a craftsman too. Like he's honed his craft of cyclocross and like if you nerd out on the sport, just watching the lines he takes and the decisions he makes and how he rides the sand is just like it, did, it wasn't getting old watching him like win races the way the lines he would take and just I was still enjoying it. I'm kind of bummed. Just on, you know, the other fi- the other riders in the field, I just wanted to mention, you know, our man Sandman Sweek. I mean, Lawrence, very squeaky in ride, right? Just to kind of like slot into second, you know, pull one for, you know, get on the podium for the sauces, you know, Vanternaus in sixth, Ellie quits. I mean, there was, you know, two narrates in seventh. There was talk. Ian was talking about, like, are all these riders just, like, packing it in because now they want to get ready for Worlds now that Wout's not going to be there. I thought that was an interesting idea. Like, yeah, maybe. Like, sure, Ellie. Like, can you rebound from your late season fade in, in three weeks and, 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 you know, get it up for um for Worlds? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I... <laughs> I'm kind of thinking maybe 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 Sweek is the 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 man in charge over in the Saw Squad. Yeah, I, I think for this race, there's just nothing to gain. You know, staying in this yeah. race, it's not. There's no points. There's no series. There's nothing. It's like it, it's for for them. I think it's win it or who cares. Uh, except, I, I think the podium was great. You know, and Quentin. Uh, we'll talk about Quentin Harriman's. It was a you know uh, his best. Well, I think one of his first elite finishes, and he was he was stoked to be on the podium. I think that was a great a great milestone for him that, that I'm sure he hopes to to build on in years to come. Lauren Swack, you know, I, I had this whole like noir Lauren Swack character last year. And this was like yeah. the, the, the perfect example of it because he was just like hanging out in group three, just like, I'm here. I'm just, I'm, you know, I clocked in, I put my time card in, I'm going to work, I'm here. And then I think he just kind of looks up and sees, uh, tone flailing around and and uh, and Quentin not really getting it right and he's like, all right, <laughs> breaks over, stubs out the cigarette, yeah. yes. throws it on the ground, is like, let's ride, and then just like starts moving through everyone, gets to those guys, they're still fumbling around, getting it all wrong, and he just like smoothly rides around. I mean, you're you're right, Michael, it's it's the Sandman, and he's just like. I, I can do this, guys. You'll see me in Tokyo in a few years. This is this is my gig. I want I want this I want this race as an NFT. I would buy this Lauren Sweek <laughs> second place to Wow at Middlekirka National Championships 2022 as an NFT. I would buy that. I would put a hundred bucks in on it. I would put no. I would put the you know the twenty five dollars I made from my Pan Am video <laughs> on YouTube. Ad revenue on this. 
Didn't the sauces? I think they got one, didn't they? Didn't one of the junior U twenty three? Yeah, we'll get, get to a... that. So uh, okay, Dutch really weird because I think like so the we looked at the start list for the men and we're like, man, it would be really great if Ryan Con- Ryan Camp and our, our man Pim Ronhar were racing with the elites, but they were. They did. They did a throwback. They did. They did like how you know what uh, we used to do for road for at least the women. You know, the U twenty three champ is in the race, <laughs> uh, so we're giving out the U twenty three champs. Uh, kind of a surprise though. Uh, the forgotten man. Uh, it was a day for the. I believe he's an IKO. I believe he's a Sonicant. Uh, Mies Hendricks comes out of. I'm not gonna say he comes out of nowhere, but I don't think he's been the talk of the the season. He's certainly someone who wants to be in that conversation, but. You know, he beats Pim. He beats he beats Camp. Uh, I think he finished fourth. No, he finished third. He finished on the podium because because yeah. Lars went wire to wire. Uh, literally, I'm pretty sure uh, in in the race. So yeah, a little bit of a surprise, but interesting too that the the Dutch would do the race within the race to give out jerseys. The the Dutch are so like they they really grassroots that whole national championship. I mean, for years it wasn't on TV. You look at like the finishing trust, and you know we always talk about like the U.S. national champs may not be the the same competition as other countries, but holy cow, infrastructure wise, we do it better than anyone out there. You know, and the like the finishing line of of the U.S. versus the Dutch is like not even in the same world. And I and I don't think they care. And I, and I think that's the same thing with sort of consolidating the 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 groups together it's like this is our national championship it's no flair we're just going to do it we're going to get out there and we're going to award these jerseys that being said in the if we can t- we already talked about Lars going going uh pin to pin in this one Michael, I you, I think you brought it up about consolidating consolidating the belts is how how I put it. You know, just uh, the the boxing boxing analogy where he has the European Championship and he now has the Dutch Championship. So it really would be grabbing that World Championship jersey to to really consolidate the belts. But damn it, Michael, if you want to buy an NFT, how are you not buying him with the rainbow over him? winning oh the Dutch God. national champion. So, I mean, come on. How is that not like a Photoshopped uh, a, a graphic there? It was just so perfect. I mean, how are you? For first, I will say, I think that Zach brought it up, but it was actually in my notes as well. So, you know, Zach, we're on the same wave, wavelength. But yeah, that shot was, I mean, like, if you're Lars, if you are sp- a spiritual person, you know, I, I don't know what your faith is, but if you're spiritual, I mean, that's a, that is a sign, Bill. You said it's a sign from Nostradamus. I mean, yeah. How do you, how do you beat that? And I, I actually see, I want to buy the NFT of a squeak. Cause I'm, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm cooler, you know, speak, you know, <laughs> you know, the, you know, trans trendy to like Lars now, but um, yeah, that was ridiculous. And, you know, if he, if Lars is the one who gets Dutch nationals, euros, Oh wait, I guess I guess Vanderpool's already done that. Yeah, Vanderpool's done that. So okay. So I, I mean, no. so do you All guys right. believe? I, I mean, do you believe in? Do you believe in kismet? Do you believe in karma? I mean, like, is is that a sign? Is that a sign? Like, is Lars Vanderhaar going to shock the world and consolidate Here, the belts? I, I have a little more. 
I mean, we'll talk about worlds. We have a few weeks to talk about worlds, but uh, being on that um, podcast with Vanningham, the, the the one question I wanted to ask him so we could discuss it here is that what I've been doing is comparing Dendermonde, which was, as we learned, was one for the bigs and the little guys really didn't do great there to Fayetteville because just because it seemed like it was so heavy and such a slog that the conditions were really similar. But Vandenham brought up the great point that he's like, Fayetteville has the biggest climb of any cyclocross track anywhere in the world. There is not a climb, like Copenberg Cross, nothing compares, especially on grass, to that power line climb in Fayetteville. So that brings riders like Lars, like Ailey, back into the fold. I mean, my my pick now, of course, after Namor, is Michael Van now because he can out-climb Pidcock, as we saw. So... Who knows? But I, I think that, that that sort of re-examined what I, how I was looking at Fayetteville versus courses that some of these riders may not have had the same success. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it is Kismet. Maybe this could be this could be it for Lars. Put that one down. Uh, so then in the women's race, I mean, pretty cool. Like we had the whole gang there. I mean, it was like watching every other race this year save. <laughs> A Blanc of Osh here, Claire Hansinger there. But generally speaking, most races this year have been the Dutch National Championships. The only thing we could not do is say who was the first non-Dutch. It's just it, not possible. Yes, yes. Uh, so I, Voss wins. I mean, I, I guess probably not too surprising. Uh, here's my question for you. So uh, Lucinda Brand, second place at the Pinwheel Cross earlier this year. Lucinda Brand, uh, they hosted the championships, I think, in 2019, third place in that race. Like, is the pinwheel, speaking of of karma, kismet, is the pinwheel cursed for Lucinda Brand? Like, like if we all showed up with pinwheels, if we, if we started a movement to get all the American fans to show up with pinwheels, would this increase the chances of Claire Hansinger winning a world championship at Fayetteville? You know, they're still tweaking the course at Fayetteville. Can we add, Can we add a, a pinwheel? pinwheel? I, like, you know, right? Like, Bill, you know, back in the day for, for baseball state, right? The, like, a certain pitcher is pitching. They'll make the mound a little bit higher. If they're, if they're I think it's if they're, like, you know, uh, a power pitcher, they'll make the mound a little little bit higher, you know? Like, just adjust the course. We're just, we're just adjusting the course. They do it in baseball. I'm sure they do it in football. You know, just adjusting the course for the home team. Well, I mean, they already have that little spiral section right before the finish line. I'm sure it probably just cost another million dollars or so. I'm sure they could just build that out with more stones and pillars and stuff and make it into a, a legit pinwheel. Maybe we should all just show up with huge banners that say, Welcome to Ruchfin. The mind, the mind trick, like the Jedi mind yeah. trick to make her think wow. that yeah. it's like in her head. I mean, maybe a Ruchfin is in her head. Like, we could just get to her. We could start early. We could start doing pre-ride on Friday. We could start busting those out and just like go to work on Lucinda Brand uh, to give Clara that home field advantage. So I thought it was interesting um, that this was like where the U23 slotted in to this race. And the highest was at fourth. It was I was kind of expected more out of the the women. I admittedly didn't get to see the race because it was. I mean, I watched the last part of it, and Voss is already winning. Zach, do you have any insight 
or Bill on on sort of how that played out and you know why Fem and Puck and well, there was um, a there was a pretty sizable pony camp, so there was a big group. I, I wonder if they were kind of like racing each other because like Brand. So Voss went and Brand was like poopers. I'm I'm stuck. So Brand went <laughs> and I think Alvarado went. So I just kind of wonder because uh oh and Puck, poor Puck just never it's never gonna happen i'm really concerned like she had a mechanical like so she just got spat out of contention and then van anroy and van empel were left Mm -hmm. i wonder if they were because we saw like we saw a close race between brand and uh voss at the world cup Uh, it seems like a course that might foster kind of tighter closer racing uh so i just kind of wonder if i did not watch the end i mean once voss went i was just like all right that's cool and uh, but it was a pretty close finish i mean it was only two seconds difference between van empel and uh, van anroy but again my girl puck just no luck she's the rodney Dangerfield of uh of u23 women's uh, dutch cyclocross just can't get can't get no no wins no respect Anything else we need to talk about on the night? We got uh, Blanca Vosch winning Hungarian, new Red Bull athlete. Uh, Hattie Hardin winning the, the British title over fellow mountain biker Annie Last with the cycl- right. cyclocross racer coming in third in that race, uh, Anna Kay. Interesting, interesting one there. Um. A shout out to a friend of American cyclocross, Maria Larkin. She defended her Irish title, so we'd be remiss if we didn't give her a shout out. And kudos to them. They did a live stream. I mean, kind of neat that uh, all Maria's friends back in Chicago and I guess across the country now can were able to to kind of watch her. So that's always really cool. And Maria's great. If you haven't met her, she's one of the you know one of the people I think that brings you back to cyclocross. Or just like she's a great person to have around. Awesome to see her succeed uh, back in her home country. Yeah, uh, Eva Lechner knocked off the perch. Uh, Sylvia Persico winning, winning the women's Italians race. So a little bit surprising. Uh, notable result, Lenny Berkier winning the French national championships, beating out uh, Helene Clausel. So that's, we talked about her as one to watch. Um, trying to see who else is. Yeah, so... Talk about, you know, road really um, getting in the way of cross. You know, Pitcock did not race the elite race. He had to go to training camp, just like Wow, except he was at the Ineos camp. And um, Thomas Main comes through with, you know, maybe the upset. Maybe Jay Powell would think is the upset, um, beating Cameron Mason. So maybe kinda, so, you know, but I think it, last year, I mean, Cam Mason right. got hurt a lot, but last year where Thomas Maine had some great results, you know, he was getting right. these top tens in, in some of these races out there. So two, two, two legitimate stars rising for uh great Britain in there and, and still young. Wasn't still Ben Turner racer, also right? at Ineos camp, Ben Turner. I mean, he finished like sixth at, at ball, like he's, I think we forget about him, but like, you know, he's on Ineos now and yeah, he's doing all right. I think Pitcock was like, I don't need this insurance jersey. I'm 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 going to Arkansas. Ooh. I got I got one one Ooh. jersey. Oh, oh I like that, it. Oh, that is I got my eye. That on. is that is what I subscribe to this podcast for is takes like that. <laughs> the in, the insurance jersey. Okay. I like that. Yeah, you know, I mean Sven always had his insurance jersey, especially when he was wearing that ugly as hell Kralin like 
yellow and green um, kit, he never had to wear it because he'd go out and he'd win like the Dutch champs and then, I mean, Dutch champs, gosh, the Belgian champs. And then, you know, if he didn't win Worlds, it was okay because he could always like, you know, fall back on his uh, insurance jersey. <laughs> so random thought along those lines. If, if, if Vanderpool races cross next year, so I guess this is one for, for Jan. When's the last time like Matthew Vanderpool wore a trade kit in a cyclocross race? Yeah. So would other Vanderpool than other than Dutch qualified? national championships, or would he wear his world for that? Well, right. So, like I'm saying, he was he would have been worlds, but yeah. he was also Euros. But there was the year that Tone won Euro. So I bet it would have been. 2017 Dutch Nationals? I my guess would be 2017 Dutch Nationals because Tone somehow won Euros in 2016. Um he had to fork over the Dutch jersey for the race, I would assume, and then Wout was still world champion wearing white bibs with his. <laughs> I was watching a race from back then. It was like, oh yeah, there's Wout and his white bibs. So anyway, that would be my guess. Uh please fact check me on on that one. All right. Anything else we have to go over? We got the uh, big, what was it? Flamian, what is that thing called? Flamville? Flamville? Yeah. It's at a, it's at a castle. It's on the, it's on, it's, it's that, like on the ocean. It's pretty, it looks, it looks like yeah. a really neat venue. <laughs> Zach, you got me more excited for that. I was like, whatever. And then I read your preview and I was like, oh, okay. I'm actually kind of excited for this. And it's the only race we have. Is Flamville that Zynga game? I have no idea. I just know that there's a chateau. <laughs> yeah, there's a chateau. Uh, Michael, like, there is a British National Series race. I was careful to craft, because I was about to say, there's only one race this weekend. And I looked at the calendar and I was like, someone's going to say, you're canceling oh. race six of the British National <laughs> Trophy. Uh, it only major series, Sorry. only major series race that we care about for this podcast. Okay. Just, hey. We'll be back next week with those results <laughs> and more hot takes from the world of a uh, world of uh, world selection team processes. See you then. Hang in there, kid. Bodie for worlds. Dear cycling friends, we accept the fact that we have created the premier gravel and road racing podcast, and we don't think you're crazy to ask us who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a hobby blogger, a gravel pro, and a curious newbie. And you can find us on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours the Grodio Podcast.